Section 5 of the Book of Ser Marco Polo, the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Book of Ser Marco Polo, the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 2 by rusticello da pisa translated by henry yule book second part two chapters fifty three to fifty nine of the great descent that leads towards the kingdom of mean concerning the city of mean concerning the province of bangala discourses on the province of kaugigu concerning the province of anin concerning the province of coloman Concerning province of Kajun, concerning the province of Kujun. Chapter fifty three of the great descent that leads towards the kingdom of Mean. After leaving the province of which I have been speaking, you come to a great descent. In fact, you ride for two days and a half continually downhill. On all this descent, there is nothing worthy of mention except only that there is a large place there where occasionally a great market is held for all the people of the country round come thither on fixed days three times a week and hold a market there they exchange gold for silver for they have gold in abundance and they give one weight of fine gold for five weights of fine silver so this induces merchants to come from various quarters bringing silver which they exchange for gold with these people and in this way the merchants make great gain as regards those people of the country who dispose of gold so cheaply you must understand that nobody is acquainted with their places of abode for they dwell in inaccessible positions in sites so wild and strong that no one can get at them to meddle with them nor will they allow anybody to accompany them so as to gain a knowledge of their abodes after you have ridden those two days and a half downhill you find yourself in a province towards the south which is pretty near to india and this province is called amien you travel therein for fifteen days through a very unfrequented country and through great woods abounding in elephants and unicorns and numbers of other wild beasts there are no dwellings and no people so we need say no more of this wild country for in sooth there is nothing to tell but i have a story to relate which you shall now hear chapter fifty four concerning the city of mean and the two towers that are therein one of gold and the other of silver and when you have travelled those fifteen days through such a difficult country as i have described in which travellers have to carry provision for the road because there are no inhabitants then you arrive at the capital city of this province of mean and it also is called amion and is a very great and noble city the people are idolaters and have a peculiar language and are subject to the great calm and in this city there is a thing so rich and rare that i must tell you about it you see there was in former days a rich and puissant king in this city and when he was about to die he commanded that by his tomb they should erect two towers one at either end 
one of gold and the other of silver in such fashion as i shall tell you the towers are built of fine stone and then one of them has been covered with gold a good finger in thickness so that the tower looks as if it were all of solid gold and the other is covered with silver in like manner so that it seems to be all of solid silver each tower is a good ten paces in height and of breadth in proportion the upper part of these towers is round and girt all about with bells the top of the gold tower with gilded bells and the silver tower with silvered bells insomuch that whenever the wind blows among these bells they tinkle the tomb likewise was plated partly with gold and partly with silver the king caused these towers to be erected to commemorate his magnificence and for the good of his soul and really they do form one of the finest sights in the world so exquisitely finished are they so splendid and costly and when they are lighted up by the sun they shine most brilliantly and are visible from a vast distance now you must know that the great khan conquered the country in this fashion you see at the court of the great khan there was a great number of glee men and jugglers and he said to them one day that he wanted them to go and conquer the aforesaid province of Min, and that he would give them a good captain to lead them and other good aid and they replied that they would be delighted so the emperor caused them to be fitted out with all that an army requires and gave them a captain and a body of men-at-arms to help them and so they set out and marched until they came to the country and province of Min, and they did conquer the whole of it and when they found in the city the two towers of gold and silver of which i have been telling you they were greatly astonished and sent word thereof to the great khan asking what he would have them do with the two towers seeing what a great quantity of wealth there was upon them and the great khan being well aware that the king had caused these towers to be made for the good of his soul and to preserve his memory after his death said that he would not have them injured but would have them left precisely as they were and that was no wonder either for you must know that no tartar in the world will ever if he can help it lay hand on anything appertaining to the dead they have in this province numbers of elephants and wild oxen also beautiful stags and deer and roe and other kinds of large game in plenty now having told you about the province of Min, i will tell you about another province which is called bangala as you shall hear presently chapter fifty five concerning the province of bangala bangala is a province towards the south which up to the year twelve ninety when the aforesaid messer marco polo was still at the court of the great khan had not yet been conquered but his armies had gone thither to make the conquest you must know that this province has a peculiar language and that the people are wretched idolaters they are tolerably close to india there are numbers of eunuchs there insomuch that all the barons who keep them get them from that province the people have oxen as tall as elephants but not so big they live on flesh and milk and rice they grow cotton in which they drive a great trade and also spices such as spikenard gallingale ginger sugar and many other sorts 
and the people of india also come thither in search of the eunuchs that i mentioned and of slaves male and female of which there are great numbers taken from other provinces with which those of the country are at war and these eunuchs and slaves are sold to the indian and other merchants who carry them thence for sale about the world there is nothing more to mention about this country so we will quit it and i will tell you of another province called kaugigu chapter fifty six discourses on the province of kaugigu kaugigu is a province towards the east which has a king the people are idolaters and have a language of their own they have made their submission to the great khan and sent him tribute every year and let me tell you their king is so given to luxury that he hath at the least three hundred wives for whenever he hears of any beautiful woman in the land he takes and marries her they find in this country a good deal of gold and they also have great abundance of spices but they are such a long way from the sea that the products are of little value and thus their price is low they have elephants in great numbers and other cattle of sundry kinds and plenty of game they live on flesh and milk and rice and have wine made of rice and good spices the whole of the people or nearly so have their skin marked with the needle in patterns representing lions dragons birds and what not done in such a way that it can never be obliterated this work they cause to be wrought over face and neck and chest arms and hands and belly and in short the whole body and they look on it as a token of elegance so that those who have the largest amount of this embroidery are regarded with the greatest admiration chapter fifty seven concerning the province of anin anin is a province towards the east the people of which are subject to the great khan and are idolaters they live by cattle and tillage and have a peculiar language the women wear on the legs and arms bracelets of gold and silver of great value and the men wear such as are even yet more costly they have plenty of horses which they sell in great numbers to the indians making a great profit thereby and they have also vast herds of buffaloes and oxen having excellent pastures for these they have likewise all the necessaries of life in abundance now you must know that between anin and kaugigu which we have left behind us there is a distance of twenty-five days journey and from kaugigu to bangala the third province in our rear is thirty days journey we shall now leave anin and proceed to another province which is some eight days journey further always going eastward chapter fifty eight concerning the province of coloman coloman is a province towards the east the people of which are idolaters and have a peculiar language and are subject to the great khan they are a tall and very handsome people though in complexion brown rather than white and are good soldiers they have a good many towns and a vast number of villages among great mountains and in strong positions when any of them die the bodies are burnt and then they take the bones and put them in little chests these are carried high up the mountains and placed in great caverns where they are hung up in such wise that neither man nor beast can come at them 
a good deal of gold is found in the country and for petty traffic they use porcelain shells such as i have told you of before all these provinces that i have been speaking of to wit bangala and kalgigu and anin employ for currency porcelain shells and gold there are merchants in this country who are very rich and dispose of large quantities of goods the people live on flesh and rice and milk and brew their wine from rice and excellent spices chapter fifty nine concerning the province of quiju quiju is a province towards the east after leaving coloman you travel along a river for twelve days meeting with a good number of towns and villages but nothing worthy of particular mention after you have traveled those twelve days along the river you come to a great and noble city which is called fungul the people are idolaters and subject to the great khan and live by trade and handicrafts you must know they manufacture stuffs of the bark of certain trees which form very fine summer clothing they are good soldiers and have paper money for you must understand that henceforward we are in the countries where the great khan's paper money is current the country swarms with lions to the degree that no man can venture to sleep outside his house at night moreover when you travel on that river and come to a halt at night unless you keep a good way from the bank the lions will spring on the boat and snatch one of the crew and make off with him and devour him but for a certain help that the inhabitants enjoy no one could venture to travel in that province because of the multitude of those lions and because of their strength and ferocity but you see they have in this province a large breed of dogs so fierce and bold that two of them together will attack a lion so every man who goes a journey takes with him a couple of those dogs and when a lion appears they have at him with the greatest boldness and the lion turns on them but can't touch them for they are very deaf at eschewing his blows so they follow him perpetually giving tongue and watching their chance to give him a bite in the rump or in the thigh or wherever they may the lion makes no reprisal except now and then to turn fiercely on them and then indeed were he to catch the dogs it would be all over with them but they make good care that he shall not so to escape the dog's din the lion makes off and gets into the wood where mayhap he stands at bay against a tree to have his rear protected from their annoyance and when the travellers see the lion in this plight they take to their bows for they are capital archers and shoot their arrows at him till he falls dead and tis thus that travellers in those parts do deliver themselves from those lions they have a good deal of silk and other products which are carried up and down by the river of which we spoke into various quarters you travel along the river for twelve days more finding a good many towns all along and the people always idolaters and subject to the great khan with paper money current and living by trade and handicrafts there are also plenty of fighting men and after travelling those twelve days you arrive at the city of sindafu of which we spoke in this book some time ago from sindafu you set out again and travel some seventy days through the provinces and cities and towns which we have already visited and all which have been already particularly spoken of in our book 
at the end of those seventy days you come to juju where we were before from juju you set out again and travel four days towards the south finding many towns and villages the people are great traders and craftsmen are all idolaters and use the paper money from the great khan their sovereign at the end of those four days you come to the city of kakanfu belonging to the province of cathay and of it i shall now speak end of section five